This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Pasha's Nasai Tashinayim Ches. This week's Pasha, we find those special words that we get to hear every day from the Chazan, the Birchas Kehanim. Torah tells us in Perik Vav, Pasach of Dalid, Yivrecha Hashem Yishmerecha, Yor Hashem Panavelecha Vichinecha, Yisra Hashem Panavelecha, Yasim Lecha Shalem. If you do that, Hashem is telling the Kahanim that every day they should give a bracha to Kla Yisrael. Today, the Kahanim do this in Eretz Yisrael, all, almost all of Eretz Yisrael, in Chutz Loretz, but the Ashkenazim don't get to have this. The Svar, a lot of Svaradim have the minig that the Kahanim do this every day. And others, at least we get it on the Shalosh Regalim. We just had Shuas, and we have Birchus Kahanim. And Klai was supposed to participate in that. And Rav Moshe Feinstein writes the Amen for each time of Yerach Hashem Yishmerecha. That's a bracha d'araisa, and you have to answer Amen. Even though there are many other times you can't be mafsik, for this you have to answer Amen. There's an additional thing that some people have the meaning of saying, and that is, each time when the Chazan says, well, the Kahanim say, Yibrecha Hashem Yishmerecha. We respond, Amen. And some people say, Amen. Some people say, Kein Yiratzen. And some people add on, B'schus of Ramavinu. And then by the next one, Yor Hashem Panavei Lecha V'chaneka, Kein Yiratzen, B'schus Yitzchak Avinu. Yis Hashem Panavei Lecha V'yosem Chashalim, B'schus Yaakov Avinu. What do Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov have to do with this why do we say Avram Yitzhak Yaakov by Birchus Kahanim? And it's interesting, if you count the words of the Birchus Kahanim, there are 15 words. Why these 15 words? So as far as tell us, these are Keneged, the years that Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov lived together. Avram died at the age of 75, at 175, which means Yaakov was 15 years old at the time, which means there was a time in the world that Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov lived together during those 15 years. In the schus of those 15 years, we received the Birchus Kahanam. And that's what we say, Vizchus Avram, Vizchus Yitzchak, and Vizchus Yaakov. In fact, the Gemara tells us a very interesting thing. We know it says in Kehelis, in Perik Dalit, Pasigir Beis, Chut HaMashulash, Leivim Heri Yenaket. A three-ply cord will not easily be undone. It's hard. It's three plies, three three different strings, and you can't you can't take it apart. Taisus over there points out, this is referring to when the grandfather, the father, and the son are still alive at the same time. If the grandfather, the father, and the son are alive at the same time, then if the family is a family of tamid chachamim, it won't stop. If it's a family that they have wealth, it won't go away. Interesting, the medish. In Kehalas Rabbah, Dalid brings down from Rabbi Zera that somebody asked him, what do you mean? We see a family that had wealth and it went away. So he says, it doesn't say that Chut HaMashulash lo yinaket. It says Chut HaMashulash It won't easily be undone. Not that it will never be undone. Because if a person is not careful, it could be undone. And this is something that we have to keep in mind. That's an obligation not just of a parent to a child, but even of the grandparents to the grandchildren to keep this chutam strong. Something we should keep in mind every day when we hear these words 
of Birchus Kahanim, Bishus of Rome, Bishus Yitzchak, and Bishus Yaakov. Many years ago, in the late 1950s, different yeshivas from the few yeshivas that were around would send out Bachram to try to get other students to come to the yeshiva, to leave public school and come to the yeshiva. Once it was a yeshiva sent out a Bachar to a community far away from New York to try to get some students there who were in public school and to convince them to come to the yeshiva. So this Bachar went and he came to the Rav of that town and he explained to the Rav what he's trying to do. Of course, the Rav was very pleased and he gave him a list of his congregants. This Bachar went from house to house to try to convince and plead with the parents to send their kids to the yeshiva instead of public school. He didn't have any success. After a week, he comes back to the Rav and he says, I don't know what's going on. It's me or your congregants. I couldn't even get one family to agree to send their son to yeshiva. And the Rav says, you know, there is one more family that is not on that list, but that's because they really never come to shul. They come once a year on Yom Kippur. He gives them the address and he goes, gives it a shot. He comes to his house, knocks on the door. A fellow opens up. And the Bachar says, can I speak to you? Your rabbi sent me here. He goes, sure, come on in. He comes inside, sits him down, and he offers him a tea. And the Bachar says, no, it's okay, I don't, I, it's okay. So the guy says, why don't you want a tea? He says, no, I'm not, I'm not thirsty, I'm not in the mood of it. The guy says, don't tell me, I know why you don't want the tea. You don't want the tea, because you think it's not kosher. Come with me. The Bachar stands up, the fellow leads him into the kitchen, he starts opening up the pantries, showing him everything. Everything is clearly labeled. Milk, eggs, dairy, meat, and parv. He shows him that even in those days, late 1950s, he had two sinks. The fellow looks at the bachar and says, in my house, there will never be any tarfus. There will never be anything that's trafe in my house. Yes, it's true. I don't keep Shabbos. I don't go to shul. I don't put on tefillin. That's true. But there will never be tarfus in my house. And I will never eat tarfus anywhere. The Bachar says, Why? Wow, what's, what's, what's that for? He says, I'll tell you. He says, I was in the U.S. military. And I was one of those many soldiers who were sent overseas during World War II to liberate the Jews from the Nazis. And when I walked into one of the concentration camps, there were people all over the place. Many of them were dead. Many of them were dying. I walked over to one elderly person, at least he looked elderly, and I gently picked him up, and I brought him, I put him on a bed. I took out a piece of chocolate and started to put it in his mouth. The person shut his mouth and moved his head from side to side. He wouldn't take the chocolate. I said, take, take the chocolate, it's good for you. He wouldn't take it. He's mumbling something. I don't know what he was saying, but there was a fellow soldier next to me who understood Yiddish. And the person was saying he won't eat it because it's not kosher. I said, it's just chocolate. You need it. You're going to die otherwise. He wouldn't take it, shaking his head. He's not going to take it. I was holding him in my hands. And he passed away from starvation. And I remember when I came back to the States, and I thought to myself, what is it that this person was ready to give up his life 
for kashras, for kosher food. And I decided that I'm going to perpetuate his legacy. And even though I'm not religious, I will never eat non-kosher food again. And I made sure when I got married, I explained to my wife, only kosher, everything kosher, and there's not one drop of non-kosher in my house. The bocher looks at him and says, that's unbelievable, that's amazing. Such tenacity that you're able to do that. But let me ask you something. While you're perpetuating his legacy, who's going to perpetuate your legacy? Your child is in public school. Your child's not going to have the same drive to keep the midst of kashas like you will. You want your son to perpetuate your legacy? Send your son to yeshiva. The person realized the wisdom of what this bacha was telling him, and he sent his son to yeshiva, and he saved his future generations. Because chuta mashulish loibim mehera yinnotei. Have a wonderful Shabbos. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.